RadioInfluence.com. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, everybody, it's Friday morning, super early. That's because this show goes out at like 5 o'clock in the morning. All right? So, uh, Duffified Live. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed last week. Rocco Whalen, unbelievable guest. I love talking to him. He's such a good man. You know, there's not a lot of people in this world that you can say he's a quality individual. Uh, Rocco is one of those guys who I believe is just a true form quality individual. Um, this week on the show, I've got some pretty cool stuff going on. We actually have um, – it's a two-part show. Not a two-part show. It's a one-part show with two guests. Um, those guests are – one, we're starting off starting off with uh, Michelle Ragusas, who you guys have all known. Uh, she's been on the show before, been all over Food Network, done all the really cool stuff. Private chef, lives up there in New York, just does some super cool things. And, and, and I, I love the fact that I get to call her a friend because what I've seen her do over the last bunch of weeks weeks. This is weeks that I'm talking about that Michelle has put together um, a whole new charity awareness uh, portal. Let's put it as that. Uh, It's called Chefs for Disaster Relief, and you can follow them on Instagram right now, and I highly suggest that you do. Go over there and follow them, and then what I want you to do is take that page, and I want to share it with every single person in your hospitality world. Screw it. It doesn't even have to be a hospitality world because some of the stuff that Michelle's doing right now is pretty off the hook. It's off the hook right now. She's getting cookbooks signed by quality, quality like Food Network chefs. She's getting recipes that are being brought in. Not only that, she's got a whole plan for what she wants to do with this. This is an opportunity for uh, people to go out and donate directly to their charity. You can buy a book that's been signed by a chef and say where you want that money to go to. Um, I'm really excited for Michelle with what she's put together and what she's doing. So, ladies and gentlemen, you got to follow... You're ready for this. you got to follow Chefs for Disaster Relief. Um, my second guest, in reality, my first guest, we had. I wanted to get Michelle on because the current state of what's going on. Australia's on fire. California's blowing up everywhere we look. People are dying all over the place. And, and we're literally, our planet is falling apart through these natural disasters, through earthquakes and fires and floods and the whole nine yards. And then we got the jackasses out there that are shooting people, you know. Um, Michelle has taken the forefront of doing something, and uh, I wanted to get her on this week because the importance of what it is that she's doing. But that is not to overshadow uh, my guest who is on directly after her, which is Andre Bope. Andre is a, uh, an old landscaper. Uh, this guy came home from work one day and told his wife he was done. He didn't want to cut grass anymore. He didn't want to do landscape design anymore. He didn't want to do any of that anymore. He wanted to do something else. And his wife said, you should go and join, go to, you know, go cook. You're great at it. You should go cook. And from that point, um, Dre moved into a whole world of fine dining and working with some of the greatest chefs and some of the greatest restaurants in the country. And now, you ready for this? The guy serves food out of a gas station. Critically acclaimed food. He does Pekin Duck. Pekin Duck for Chinese New Year that he sells to the guests that are walking in to buy gas. Um, And they're not just buying gas anymore. He's gotten so many awards and he's gotten so much great um, response for the product that he puts out. Um, He is a quality culinarian and really just a great guy who also runs White River Tours, okay, in Washington State. 
You want to talk about some beautiful things? He does these tours. He cooks. He does the whole nine yards while you guys are out there, and as well as he's the guide for the boat. So uh, we're going to check him out right after this. But boys and girls, do me a favor right now and get ready for a very important part of Duffified Live. We're going to talk to Michelle Wagosis, and she's going to tell us everything there is to know about chefs for disaster relief. What's up, Michelle? What's up, Brian Duffy? How are you, dear? Good, baby. How are you? I'm very, good. Very excited. I, I was telling Jerry uh, of our story yesterday because I watched one of your Instagram stories last week about the sunglasses or about your glasses, your readers, and I that just, you have pairs everywhere. They're okay. So that's what I want to know because I know that people have this problem. And we were talking about the one ear. What is this called? The oh, arm. Leg. I think it's. I think, the arm. The eye arm, how we all have pairs that one arm breaks. And we still the wear them. The eye arm. Because we can't find the good ones, so we're still wearing these cockeyed sideways glasses. <sighs> it's annoying. And well, I'm I, have, wearing- I have bed pairs. I have like a bedroom pair. I have an office pair. I have my everyday like real glasses, not like a reader. And then I have a car pair, which I lost my car pair at the park, the dog park. <laughs> I rolled over on my bed pair the other night and broke the arm, so I put a Band-Aid on it. Didn't match the sticky up perfectly, so it was literally ripping the fucking hairs out of the side of my head all day long because I couldn't find my real pair. I mean, it's bad. We need to come up with an invention without the chain because then I'll feel, you know, really old. You know, the ones that you could I, I think the chain, the chain really gets you, like, that's you're old. That's what I mean. We need something... Cool. <laughs> what are we get like what like what are we gonna we cool. gotta find a name for it as well around that like you can always find them because i lose them i'll put my office glasses on my face walk out to the kitchen take them off for a minute and then they're gone they're never <laughs> in the office again so they're, they're like socks they're like socks yes all right so uh last week um you had an epiphany that there was something that you had to do. And I love your reasoning. I love your explanation. So guess what? Now you're going to tell me. Okay. So last week I was laying in bed and it all happened when I was watching a koala and I started bawling because everyone who knows me knows I love the fur babies, but I couldn't handle it anymore seeing these pictures. And I just felt like I have to help. And then I sat there feeling helpless of life. I can't leave my animals. I have responsibilities, so I can't volunteer. But what can I do? I don't have any money. What do you do? How do you volunteer? And then I said, I'm just going to reach out to my chefs because there's one thing I do have. I can cook. And I have at least some visibility from being on television. So how can we help save the world? How do we do this? And then I thought, I'm going to just start a Facebook and Instagram page. doesn't take any money. doesn't take anything but a little time from all of us. And I know that all of us, most of my chef friends, including you and everybody that we do, we, we love cooking for a reason. It, I mean, it, it is all pure love and giving something, right? We're always giving that. And so I thought, let me start, start a page, Chefs for Disaster Relief, called my niece because I don't gravitate towards computers well. You know, the older generation. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I need your help. My God. And the only way I could do it was to just start. And I didn't know except for let me write everybody and see if everyone's on board. 
and everybody just came back with so much love and was like, tell me what you need. And I was like, I need shout outs. I need follows books, uh, aprons, anything you could donate so that, or give to me so that we can raise money and just donate it or auction it off, you know? So right now we're just, it's been six days, but in six days we've been in Curve Magazine. We've been in the Herald Sun in Australia. Um, we've had some big followers like Jamie Alexander from Blindspot put us in her post. Uh, Kira Kosarin, who's a singer, she's got like 4 million followers. She's like followed us. All the chefs are following us. Jason Roberts from Australia is like, you know, asking us to put, to, to help do what we can, which is really great because we're six days in. Eventually, I would hope that it would grow big enough to where we can tackle everything and, and help just through what we know how to do best, which is dinners and, and raising money and really awareness because I had some friends in Australia that I was like, are you guys okay? And they literally sent me what was really going on and when it started and I had no clue and I had no, not having a clue really bothered me, ate at me. And I thought if I don't have a clue that this started three or four months ago, does everyone have a clue or is it just what the news wants us to see? And that's when I thought we have to raise awareness and we have to do it fun. So it's got to be food to me is fun. And if we all get on there and people get to see some of their favorite Food Network chefs and reality TV chefs, then they get a recipe. They get to see us again and hopefully they'll go donate. They're, uh, it's funny. I talked to a friend of mine that's yesterday. I talked to a friend of mine yesterday who lives in Sydney and she has basically started um, – They she hasn't left her house. She can't leave her house. She has two young boys. You know, they don't like wearing the masks and all the other stuff. They've got wet towels underneath of the doors. The air conditioner's on all the time because of the fact that it's 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 so hot in the house right now because of everything. And, you know, I mean, they're still getting that smell of smoke and everything else. And her and her boys, and she's got like, you know, a four-year-old and a nine-year-old. And they're, you know, she's stuck in her house. They can't really go anything. And she lives in Sydney. You know, so that whole stuff that's happening, the smoke that's coming in and everything else, I had no idea. I've always checked in, hey, are you good? What's going on? But I really went into it last night. Based, Honestly, I went into it last night knowing that I was going to talk to you today and after hearing what you were talking about yesterday. Well, thank you. And I'm telling last week, but I don't know who it was, and they were like, well, you know, the news makes out everything, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I got, I got angry a little bit. And I was like, okay, can you do me a favor? Are you in your house? And they were like, yeah. And I said, Look out your window. And they were like, okay. And I was like, now picture it on fire. And they were yeah. like, what? I go, now go to get in your car and drive 15 towns over. Well, guess what? Everything's on fire. Yeah. What are you going to do? Like really get in the mindset of people are living through this. But it's like Puerto Rico. I mean, it is a major disaster right now. And nobody, I don't, I don't know why we don't get it or why we're not. Everyone's so busy in their own lives. So this was a way for me and all of us like i don't want this is i want all chefs to be able to just have a platform if there's something that they want to talk about or some disaster i had a guy write me the next day that we put the page up and he was a cook and he wrote and he goes i don't mean to be antagonistic but where was this page that happened in panama city which by the way i have no idea about. again yeah. it bothered me so i wrote him and i said hey look i'm really sorry i'm just a chef trying to get all my chef friends together so that we could do th something through food. And he said, thank you so much for uh, writing back. He goes, I'm just a lonely old line cook. And I said, well, why don't you do me a favor? You send me your favorite recipe from Panama and I'll get it on the site. 
and a charity down there that is that where you think the money could go to the best place and we'll do it. Yeah. Like, that's what I want this site to be. I want it to be like, you know, if there's animals that are there, there's a rescue or if it's the Red Cross. So we're not taking the money. We're just putting links up so people could go click and the money goes right there. You know, it's yeah. not like a website where we're, I don't want, I don't want to get involved with handling money. I want it to be really easy for people and just click to where you want to donate or, or a link that we put up. What are you looking for from from us, from our community? What is it that we can do to help within to help with chefs for disaster relief? So I'm looking for all of my chef friends to send recipes once every couple of weeks, and maybe a video doing a recipe so that it shows people how to cook. Um, any kind of um, books, if, if chefs have books or cool knives or chef coats that we can like, you know, auction off or give to the person at the end of the day who like donated the most or just pick a random person at the end of the day who donated and we could give giveaways. Um, I'm looking for chefs to eventually, once we get established, find places where we can hold dinners together and raise money for whatever disaster that would be, um, wh whatever we choose. And we could just, you know, sell tickets, have dinners, send money. Uh, because really, Brian, at the end of the day, when you think about it, food is the only thing I know I do things and don't have money. I don't, I'm not a Bill Gates. I wish I did, but we have something that really makes people happy and, um, and feeds the soul a little bit. And, and at this time in this world, I think that's what we need. And I think that's what we all have to give. And so people going on and watching a recipe, something and making it easy or getting to see their favorite food network chefs or getting a book in the mail or hoping that they're just, it raises awareness everywhere. And hoping that people write in and say, hey, I have an opioid addiction crisis in Massachusetts. It's it's miserable. Well, then we go to we go there. We raise some money for that. I mean, I'm hoping that this would be a very long term and grow into something very big that all of us chefs can be a part of and just help where we can. Because Mother Nature and the world is rearing a very ugly head right now. And yeah, it's, seriously. it's really scary. I mean, obviously by doing this, there's, there's, you know, I mean, there's, there are costs that get associated to that and all the other stuff. I mean, is there, I mean, you know, can I do anything from my end? I mean, you know, I you've got a logo. I mean, you did this shit quick. I mean, I'm super impressed with what you've done. Thank you. Well, I have to give major props to my niece because she did most, like literally I was like, I don't even really know how to make the bubbles underneath Instagram and boom, there were bubbles and boom, she was making these beautiful, taking all the recipes and putting them into these beautiful cards. And, um, so I'm going to give her a big shout out. And then my cousin or her cousin, who's, I guess my second cousin owns a t-shirt company. He came up with a logo and he's donating t-shirts and cards. And so we're going to pass out cards at Mohegan. I think what right now, because it's so new, is that if everybody just donates a little time and shout outs and we could get the followers because without the followers, we're not raising the awareness. Right. Uh, and Instagram is so hard to get followers. Uh, just get it. Uh, yeah. Being said, I think eventually we can hold some dinners, you know, and chefs can help that way. So we're talking about everybody has to go to Instagram right now and it is chefs, for disaster relief. If you can't spell that, I, I got nothing for you. Um, 
but but you need to go check it out. I mean, she's already got, you know, this is really, Michelle, you've done a hell of a job. There's videos up here. There's a story, a whole bunch of stories that are going on. Um, you know, you've got 358 followers right now. I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff. So everybody needs to go. And as soon as you follow, you then have to share it and tell everybody else in the culinary world that we all live in. Okay, because this is something that is not just affecting Australia. You know, it's like the rainforest that happened a couple months ago, which, by the way, we've never heard anything else about. And thank you for that, because you just brought that up. So, you know what, tomorrow I'll call my niece and say, let's find out who needs the money. We'll put up a link for the rainforest. That's what this site we want to do. How is it that we've done like nothing for that? We don't even hear about it. How about Flint, Michigan? They don't even have drinking water still, I believe. Or it's like, I mean, it's heartbreaking. And there's so much, Brian, there's so much bad, but there's so many people who do really good. And we need to just be part of that. We really have a gift that's been given to us. And it's probably, to me, the most beautiful gift in the world of giving food. So why not? I think that's that's one of the things that we all do really well. I mean, it's a huge thing that we do. I mean, look, cooking, we're constantly in the world of hospitality. We're always, everything that we do is always about the end result for the, for the guest, for, you know, for the, con- the consumer, whatever it is. So I think it's a really good thing. And I'm really, one, I'm really proud of you. And, and for those who, who know, you know, I love Michelle. I mean, we've known each other for a bunch of years now. We've been friends for a while. And, uh, uh, and so for you to do this is a pretty, pretty awesome thing, but I also think it's a great place. It's a portal for all of us to go to. And I think, you know, I mean, my, what I see is literally like a donate page and you go and you find where you want to donate, whatever it is, you know, take a buck, take five bucks, whatever it is, it's all going to end up helping out and doing the right thing. Um, and that's a really big thing. So, uh, so Michelle, give us that last bit of information one more time so that everybody can hear it from your voice. Cause I tend to drown people out no you never drown me out so if <laughs> ever just go to chefs for disaster relief on instagram on facebook we will have a twitter coming soon share share follow follow donate donate there's always a link uh there's a link in the story today there's links like three links on facebook and uh just go there share and follow we're gonna bring a little bit of chef through and we need everybody else to bring a little bit of money and awareness which would be great Perfect. All right, Michelle, thanks so much for hopping on. I will see you uh, in about six hours um, at Mohegan Sun, uh, where we're going to be cooking all day and all weekend again at a great event at the Sun Wine Food Festival. Um, So everybody, if you're out there, get your tickets right now and go to Chefs for Disaster Relief right now. Let Michelle know that you support her. Sell it out to all of your community. Make sure you're tagging anybody that you know that is involved in the culinary industry. People, get out there. Tell True Cooks. Let Chef Works know. Let Chef Ware know. Let every single person know what Michelle's doing. Uh, And this is for all of us. This is a world problem. It's not something that is just in our backyard. Um, These are major, major things that are happening. Michelle, I love you. Thank you. I'll see you in a couple hours. I love you, babe. Thanks, All right, baby. You got it. Bye-bye. All right, so everybody, there's the deal. You're going to go over to Chefs for Disaster Relief. You're going to donate. You're going to do whatever you can do. Make sure you share it and tell all of your friends. So, Speaking of the fact that we're doing chef stuff right now, uh, I'm pretty stoked to have uh, this next chef on the show. Um, I met him out in Walla Walla, Washington uh, while I was out there doing a bunch of really cool stuff. 
or our friends at Lamb Weston. And one of the big things uh, that I love about these events is the people that I get to meet. And this gentleman that I met, we went on a tour of his uh, property. We checked out the whole area. And I'm going to tell you what, boys and girls, you want to know a little bit about the Washington area? You're going to need to have a conversation with Andre Bopp. We're going to do it right now. Boys and girls, welcome to Duffified Live. Andre Bopp. Andre Bob, what's up, brother? Nada, what's going on, man? You know, it's another fun day in paradise. We get a we get an early Friday morning uh, launch of this show. I'm pretty stoked to finally get you on after we met in uh, in your town of Walla Walla a couple months ago. Yeah, that was that was pretty badass. A uh, little potato event we did out there, and uh, I'm talking to you from actual paradise right now. So that's a good. Where thing. are you? I'm in uh, Puerto Vallarta right now. Oh, geez. And I saw it. Was that a pizza that you had in your picture you said? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we rented one of those cabanas out on the beach and uh, just kind of been uh, moved from bed in the bedroom to bed on the beach and uh, pretty much just been chilling all day and uh, kind of had to after uh, the Mexico City Food Fest. So it was good. Oh, that's awesome, dude. So, hey, uh, Dre, do me. I, by the way, I, I've already got a nickname for you of Dre. So uh, I hope you're cool that's with that. That's totally cool. That's totally cool. <laughs> that's, that, it works. I'm, I'm, I've been called worse. All right. So uh, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and uh, how people can either get in contact or follow you? All right. Uh, my name is uh, Andre Bope. I am a, uh, a chef and a restaurateur as well as a whitewater guide. Uh I reside in Walla Walla, Washington. Um, I uh, run a restaurant, catering company, food trucks, and you can follow me, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I've got uh, Instagram, uh, Andre's Kitchen, and uh, my personal page is The Base Camp Chef with an underscore at the end, and then Twitter, once again, Andre's Kitchen, and Facebook, Andre's Kitchen, so pretty easy. And just so everybody knows, it's A N D R A E. That correct? is correct. It, it, yeah, ahead. it's just a really weird spelling. I didn't choose it, so <laughs> I, I just got to live with it. You know, it, and it's really weird because you know you see uh, you see people. You know, all growing up through school, I was Andrea, and I'm like, does it fucking say E A? It says right. A E. You know, so it's like, uh, hello. <laughs> now, what? And now, how many people mispronounce your last name? Um, I think I, my whole entire life, uh, like four people have correctly pronounced it. So it's not a big deal. I'm used to it. So, all right. Cause I just totally got it wrong when I said, you know, I don't care. I don't care. You know what? I am so used to it. it. Just goes right. I should just change my name to the wrong way. That way the four people that mispronounce or they get it right. I look at them and go, what? <laughs> oh. So one of the, one of the things, you know, we were, we were out in Walla Walla just to give everybody an idea. Um, um, Andre and I both. Uh, being chefs, we got invited out to this potato experience out in Walla Walla, Washington um, with the Lamb Weston people, which I've done for the last two years. Um, and each year that I do it, you know, I come back, I talk about it, and I always end up meeting just these awesome people. Um, you know, last week I had uh, I had Rocco Whalen on uh, from Cleveland. Um, you know, this week I've got you on. I talked to Ford Fry last year. We had Rev Ciancio on. You know, I meet some pretty amazing people coming back from these things. And, and Andre, one of the biggest things that I – 
um, took away from that whole week other than my potato knowledge um, was really kind of your story, where you came from, how you started, you know, years ago, and then how you kind of morphed into the culinary world. Why don't you give us an idea, like, why don't you break it down for me a little bit? Tell me where you started and how you morphed into this part. How, how I went from what I was doing to the food side. Is that, yeah. is that, was that where you want to go all I'm, the way back to that? Okay. I want to go back to there because then I want to go into kind of what you're doing now, which is awesome. All right, so we're going to go back about 20-plus years. I was uh, in my previous life, as I like to say. I um, had a landscape and sprinkler installation and design company and uh, kind of had had the business. And I loved working outside. I loved working for myself, you know, just entrepreneurial. And uh, came home one day, and uh, you know, I, I walked into the house and sat down on the floor and my wife, you know, kind of looks at me and she's like, how are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm done, you know? And she's like, done. I was like, done for the day? I was like, nah, I'm, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. And she's like, oh, you got the job done. Oh, by the way, did you collect? Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm more done than that. I think, I think I'm done. After this year, it's, it's, it's done skis. And I mean, you know, we've early on in our marriage and, uh, she kind of looks at me with that panic in her eye of like, oh, my God, what are we going to do to pay the bills, you know? And uh, I had no, I really, at that point, I had no idea. Um, she, uh, She's actually the one that's like, you know what? You should cook. I was like, I already cook. I cook all the meals. I do all these little private gigs on the, you know, for people and little dinner parties and shit like that. She's like, no, you should, like, cook in a restaurant. I was like, I don't know the first thing about working in a restaurant i have no idea about that and but then i kind of started thinking i was like well one of my buddies actually does own a restaurant you know maybe i could go and see about washing dishes there so you know i get done you know with the with the landscaping that year and i go over to him and it's like hey man um you know i know i'm a 30 something year old guy but uh can i like work in your kitchen and he's like what are you crazy <laughs> i was like i don't know if i'm crazy maybe but uh i'd like to work in there he goes well he goes tell you what he goes why don't you come in you can wash some dishes you know do some light prep you know and see if you like it see if you just like the chaos of the kitchen you know so uh i go in and start doing that and it was I, I mean it was it was i i it just felt i just almost right off the bat i felt like wow, this is probably something I could do. I just felt at home in there, even washing dishes and doing peeling onions and chopping potatoes and shit like that, you know? And, uh, you know, I worked back in the dish land a little bit and he's like, Hey, you want to move up onto Garmage and, you know, help make some cold salads and some appetizers and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that, man. So I moved up there, did that, really enjoyed it. You know, a little, you know, got to be able to use that creative outlet, you know, a little bit there and uh, really still enjoying it. I, I enjoyed just the chaos. I enjoyed the, the high stress level in there. I enjoyed everything about it. You know, it just kind of fit my DNA. You what know? what city was this? This was in Boise, Idaho. Wow, dude. Boise, Idaho. And uh, um, we, uh, we, his sous chef that was in there was a cool cat, but he was a, uh, getting ready to go quit or go to another restaurant or something. I can't remember the exact details about it, but his sous chef left, you know, and I've been working garmage for a while. I, I pretty much had 
kind of done a lot of the stuff just back and forth on the line. I, you know, I've probably been a couple months, two or three months. And I mean, I, I picked this up really fast. It was like, I, for some reason, it just stuck with me, everything I did. And uh, he's like, hey, man, you want to you wanna just kind of come up and work saute and kind of be like my sous chef? I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so we get, uh, you know. How far, how, we, far into, how far into you working there was this happening? Maybe like six to eight months, maybe. Wow. Now, maybe. were you still doing your stuff? Were you still doing landscaping and everything oh, else? Oh, no. Oh, no. You quit I was fully. Full on, just full on wow. done. You know, just completely cold turkey, man. And, uh, you know, sold the equipment that I had and, and uh, Jesus. finished out my contracts. I was done. I mean, I've been doing it since high school. So it was like, right. you know, I was, I was ready just to be, you know, find something else. Be a free man. Free man. Yeah. And so he, uh, we had, he was getting a newspaper, the local newspaper came in and was going to do an article on him and they wanted him to create a, a new dish or a recipe or, or something like that. And so he was really busy with, you know, lots of things. He's like, Hey man, can you just help me, you know, come up with a recipe, you know, for a fun dish that we could do, you know, that the, the newspaper or the magazine or whatever, it was a local newspaper there that they wanted to feature and i was like yeah sure so and i and i can't i i'm it was like a potato pancake and this is back in you know the the late 90s early 2000s it was like a potato pancake and uh held together and kind of crisped up and then like a, a brown sugar fig apricot brandy reduction over the top and you know some chopped herbs and shit like that and uh you know we did this dish and you know, the newspaper in the article and they loved the dish and loved everything about what we were doing in there. Cause it was kind of like a comfort Americana food place, you know? Right. And, uh, he gets all this kind of new love out of this and this dish becomes really hot and all these things. And he's like, look, man, he goes, I gotta tell you something. He goes, you got to go. And I'm like, what do you mean? I gotta go. And he's like, uh, you need to go, man. You just need to go and find your way in this thing because, Wow. This is, this is, this is what you're going to be doing. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, man, you need to go. So, uh, fast forward a little bit, uh, Portland, Oregon. I see there was like a, a little seminar going on out in Portland, Oregon. And it was, uh, Andre Soltner was doing the, se the seminar out there. And, uh, he'd always been like one of my idols, even before I, even before I was like, fully immersed in cooking. I, you know, I had the Lutas cookbook, you know, I used it at home, things like that. I'd read it, you know, cover to cover back in the day. And, uh, the, but the class was only for, um, like industry professionals, you know, right. restaurant tours, executive chefs, you know, CDCs from hotels or whatever, you know, big, big time people, man. I was just, a, I was just a line dude. Right. And, uh, so I, you know, got online, filled out all the shit and lied my way through there. Like, you know, you know, 10 years experience and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> just to get, just to get into this class. Cause I wanted to sit in this class. I wanted to sit in front of this guy. And so lie my way in, get in, go over to Portland. And I mean, I'm just sitting there with my jaw on the floor. Cause here I've got Andre Soltner up in the class, you know, talking to me. And, you know, after the class, he's like, uh, you know, I've taken copious amounts of notes and all this stuff. 
And uh, he's like, hey, he goes, uh, you know, I go down there and introduce myself. He's like, so where do you work? And I was like, uh, uh, I'm really not working. <laughs> and he goes, oh, he goes, well, what's your restaurant? I was like, uh, I, I don't have a restaurant. Um, I just, I just needed to be here. He's like, right. uh, he's like, so what are you doing? I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I said, I'm trying to figure out how to cook, you know? And so, uh, he's like, well, you should come to my school. I'm like, well, what's your school? He's like, well, I, I work, I'm the, one of the deans at the French Culinary Institute in uh, Manhattan. I was like, all right. <laughs> so, you know, my wife and I, we, you know, early on in our marriage, I packed my bags and oh, uh, moved, to, moved to New York City for a year and a half, two years almost, and uh, went to culinary school out there and you know, there's then the next chapter goes from from that point. You know, so right. uh, ended up out there and doing that and living on Roosevelt Island and doing that thing. Huh. Yeah. Now, now, so this was late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I, I ended up. I started. I started at FCI in 2002. Okay, so I think my graduation was like 2003. I mean, and this is like you know, this is coming out of the 80s the 90s i mean 2000 you know we started to really see some pretty unbelievable shit happening with food and not that we didn't before but it was really becoming much more prevalent so i mean some of the people that you've worked with are i mean it's unmatched i mean it's just unbelievable i mean how, how did you kind of go so you were in manhattan for a while and then where were you going after that so so i i kind of i went to went to school there and uh, it was a great experience, man. I, I mean, it was, it kind of reaffirmed because I was a voracious reader at the time. I still read a lot. I don't, I read a lot of online stuff now. I don't, I don't read like hard books anymore. Right. Um, but I was just a voracious reader at the time. So I, I read like, you know, cover to, I would read cookbooks cover to cover, you know, all the side notes, the recipes, <laughs> all this. And so I went to school, and school basically reaffirmed a lot of stuff that I that I had read or that I knew, and I was able to put it into you know practicality by doing it with some of these great masters, you know Jacques Pepin and Jacques Torres and uh, Alain Saïk and Dominic Cerrone and Andre Soltner and all these guys, you know, just you know the 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 royalty of uh, you know chefdom, you know, and. Um, right. I did well. I was I did well in school. I mean, I did well there, and uh, so it afforded me some opportunities. Uh, uh, one of the one of the one of my list items was, you know, I was I'm an older I'm an older guy moving into this field. So obviously, everybody in school that I was in school with was all you know way younger oh, yeah. than me. Sure. You know, and so I, I felt a little out of place. But you know, I I sit down. I talked to Dominic Cerrone quite a bit, and. Uh, and he told me that there was a, another guy that started his career really late, you know, and uh, um, ended up, uh, um, you know, doing really well. And that was Julian Serrano kind of came into a secondary, you know, cooking was secondary for him. Um, he'd, he'd done something prior to that and then ended up, I think he was like at Montrachet for uh, Drew Nipperant there. And, and then he, I think he's down at Picasso or something in Vegas now, but a, kind of an older older in life guy. And he's like, you know, you've got, you can do this. And he goes, uh, what's your, what's your list of places that you want to work at? I said, well, I really only have one place I want to get into. I want to get into La Bernadette. I want to cook there. Wow. And, uh, 
He's like, well, he goes, I can probably arrange that since uh, Dominic was the original, I think he was the original CDC at Den before repair. He was there before repair was there. Wow. And so um, Chef Dominic got me a, a stage in there and I went in there and staged and, and ended up uh, uh, getting a stage and internship and uh, just, just stayed in there and uh, under the internship for quite a while and now, what what is a what is a stage like with 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 repair? I mean, a lot a lot of people. And the funny part is, people these days are still questioning. Like, I know a lot of cooks these days who have zero idea what a stage is. When you say that you're going to start, you know, hey, why don't you come in at stage for the day? Show me what you can do. And it's funny because a lot of people are like, well, how much am I going to get paid? Am I going to get paid at the end of the day? And I'm like, you know, a lot of people just don't even understand that process. You yeah. Know? It's, so so it's weird. Did, so what was the stage? How long were you doing it for? What was your day okay. like with those guys? If you remember, so, this is a long time. Oh, I, well, I, I remember. I, I remember the whole day. I, I remember that day like it was yesterday because it was just. It was really important to me, and it was really important that I do well at it. So um, we also had people. You also had somebody. You know, you had an in with somebody. You had not only to do it. You had to do. You not only had to do something major for yourself. You kind of had to say, "Hey, look, this guy got me, and I've, I owe it to this guy as well." Oh. So, I mean, well, that, and, and, you know. and, and the guy that got me in, so yeah, I couldn't like I let mean. him down either. I'm like representing sure. the school, representing him, right? All this stuff in there. So it's kind of a it was kind of a heavy deal the day that I went in there. Um, so you know, Laverne then contacts me. You know, they tell me the day to show up, and uh, I you know I show up. I you know get go down and I you know get my jacket on and I come up and you know they kind of show me. The, you know, a, a light show around the kitchen, you know, here's this, here's that, here's where, you know, all the fish comes in and gets butchered and filleted and cleaned. And, you know, here's cold apps, hot apps, fried, poached, saute, saucier, you know, and, and we're just going to start, start you over in this, you know, little area here. And, uh, so I'm standing there, and then uh, one of the guys comes up and uh, uh, tosses me a bag of uh, pearl onions. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. He's like, hey, man, can you get these things uh, cleaned up for me real quick? I was like, oh, fuck. Pearl fucking onions. <laughs> <laughs> As we all know. You know oh, it's like, <laughs> can I just buy that jar and rinse them off? Jesus. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like just pull out my freaking bird's beak paring knife and just try and go to town on him, man. <laughs> just, you know, rip them out, clean them, get them back to him. He's like, all right, cool. So, you know, I get those back to him. And, and we, at this time, there was probably, there was four other guys that were in there on this stage. And, and all of us were competing for one internship in there. Right. So it wasn't like I was, I was, automatically going to get anything there was they they were looking at all of us then these were stages from you know a guy from paris and another color like necky or something like that and uh so i do this and comes back and gives me like this big old uh beef beef roast like this gigantic side of beef and he's like hey man can you uh dice this into one inch cubes for me like yeah sure you know so i just crush through that thing, you know, bring it back to him in, in the bowl. Um, and, 
So I do those two things, and he's like, all right, uh, the, the sous chef that was kind of like my, my lead, he's like, hey, so I just need you to just go stand over right in this spot and, and don't fucking move. Just, just stand right here. You know, don't move. And I mean, and now they're into dinner service, and the chaos has started in there, and it's, I mean, it's fucking, it's quiet as shit. The only thing you heard was we chef, you know, you'd hear, you know, the ticket get called out and whatever station it went to, we chef, you know? And so I'm just standing over there and I, I mean, I'm not a guy to stand around. So I'm like talking to, you know, the guy that I'm standing by say, Hey man, if you need anything, just let me know. I, I may not know where it is, but I'll fucking figure it out and I'll go try and get it for you. And he kind of looked at me. I was like, no, I'm serious. Just, I, I got you. Just, just let me know what you need. So he's over there and he's like, Hey man, can you go get me a tube of salt? Yeah. So I want to go grab tube salt. Right back. Hey, can you, uh, you know, take these pans down and, uh, uh, clean them out, bring them back to me. Yeah, sure. Got it done. You know? And so we're going through this hole and I'm just doing like all this menial shit, you know? And, uh, um, then the night comes and the, like the other guys that were in there for stages, you know, service ends and, uh, they just go and grab their knife kit and, you know, pack it up and they come over and they talk to the Sue and they're like, Hey Sue, thanks for the opportunity. You know, let us know what you think. And you know, if we can get back in here and Sue's like, okay, cool. That's fine. See you. Bye. Thanks. And I'm like standing over there and now we've got a kitchen that's in a complete shambles. You know, we just got done with dinner service for however many three, four, five hundred, whatever amount of covers they would do in there. And, uh, I just started cleaning, man. I, you know, just start wiping things down, taking things to the dish pit, you know, doing whatever I could, wiping shit down, scrubbing, all this stuff. I didn't know anybody's name in there. I didn't know, I didn't know fucking anybody. Right. You know, I'm just doing what I knew needed to be done. So I'm just staying cleaning and, you know, doing all this stuff. And next thing I know, uh, the CDC, you know, brings in like a couple six packs of beers and tosses a beer over to me. And I'm like, Pretty cool. I had some beers with these guys. <laughs> thought that was pretty badass. Yeah. And uh, he's like, "Hey, uh, he's like, hey, Andre." I was like, "Yeah." He goes, uh, "What'd you think?" I was like, "Pretty badass in here, man." He's like, uh, "You want you want to you want to work in here?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "You want to start tomorrow?" I was like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> so I, yeah, I was in there for I don't know, it was like maybe four or five months or something like that. Um, not a long time. Cause I ended up down at Boulay after, after that for a little bit, working for David Boulay for another like three or four months. And then, then I just figured I was just going to go do my own thing. So that's why I moved back to Boise and, and started that. Now, what, did, what were you doing when you got back to Boise? I mean, you're taking well, all this knowledge and especially the knowledge of, you know, I mean, from, from schooling and then, you know, from below and, and, and going from there. And I mean, with repair, I mean, you're taking this knowledge. So what were you doing back in Boise? So, so I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I went back there, but I had a buddy of mine that, uh, um, was in like when, before I went to school, we kind of started like a, uh, I started like a, a, a dinner club. This is like when I was landscaping. And even when I was working at this restaurant, I kind of did this, this little dinner club where it was like five couples and we all just kind of, you know, we would pick like a theme of like Jamaican food or Haitian or Japanese or Australian or German or blah, blah. And somebody would make an appetizer, somebody would make an entree, salad, dessert. And then somebody was responsible for the 
for the alcohol portion of it, you know, and he was in this group and, uh, um, he's like, uh, he, he's back in Boise and he's like, he knew I was, I was, you know, coming back and he's like, Hey man, I, I think I found a restaurant space for you. And I really wasn't thinking restaurant at that time. I didn't know what I was going to do when I was going to go back. Right. I, I wasn't thinking restaurant. It wasn't like, Oh hell, I got to go open up a restaurant right now. Right. I know now I know now I got it. Now I'm going to go do it. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got the skill set, you know, I've been taught all this stuff. I'm like fresh off the boat, so to speak, with, uh, you know, all this knowledge in my head. And um, he said, I found you a, a restaurant space. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, man. He goes, it's it's badass. He goes, it's really badass. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll look at it when I get there. So I went and looked at the space. And I was like, yeah, this could be really good. So I talked to my wife and, you know, we went ahead and, you know, did the deal and I ended up doing the design working and actually building the space. It was a contemporary French restaurant in Boise called Andre's really weird. Right. And, uh, <laughs> <Huh>. so <laughs> odd, man. So odd. weird. And yeah. so it was a uh, contemporary French, which in Boise, Idaho at that time in 2004 ish, 2003 or four, that really probably wasn't the smartest move on my part. Cause that was like a meat and potatoes town. Right. So, um, tweezer food and Ludemere and Rouget and all this shit that I was bringing in from the East Coast, people had no fucking idea, man. It was right. like, but I mean, it was all what I knew. It was what I knew. I, it's what I was trained. I was trained with, you know, the whole chef coat and the tight apron and tweezers and really sharp fucking knives and, <laughs> you know, copper and, you know, all this shit. That's what I knew. And so I did this and the restaurant the restaurant did pretty well. I mean, it was, it got, it got a lot of critical acclaim. It, it, you know, we had an awesome wine program, which is, you know, the reason why I'm in Walla Walla now, but, uh, awesome wine program. We got a lot of love from the, from the Washington wine commission, um, with our program for what we were doing for Washington wine, even though we were in Idaho. And at that time, Idaho really didn't have a wine program. It was a, like a, still a infancy wine program there. They had a couple wineries, but they weren't really getting any critical acclaim on that stuff. And so I kind of adopted Washington as our local winery. And, uh, so did that. And we were, we had that for five years and, uh, uh, 2008 came and then next chapter. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So next chapter would be Walla Walla would be Walla Walla and food truck world. So geez, yeah. So, I mean, so ha- I, now, how is that, you know, I mean, look, I, I ask these questions because I know that these are what a lot of people are thinking, especially anybody who knows you and, you know, knows your stuff. The biggest thing for me was, you know, how you take that knowledge of all that you've gained, you know, with all of that. Look, we, we've all been involved in the tweezer world. We've all been involved in that with the tight apron. And I mean, I, you know, I did my apprenticeship at the Four Seasons in Philly. You know, I mean, I was there. I did all that stuff. You know, I mean, I got I got chocolate on my apron one day and they sent me downstairs to get changed. You know, it was like, I mean, those were big things. I worked at Stripe Bass in Philly. You know, I got stuff on my jacket in the middle of lunch service. And they're like, go downstairs. So and so come over and watch his station. You know, I mean, those those days are few and far between anymore. There's a couple of restaurants out there. But to, to kind of move towards where you are now and, and in reality, to move out of that Andre space into a food truck. You know, yeah, I mean, what were you do? What were you serving at that point on that? What was your first? Let's do it this way. 
Do you remember what the items on your first menu with that food I truck? do. I, I do because here's why. Because this year, 2020, is the 10-year anniversary of our food truck. Wow. And we're actually going to be doing, we're actually oh, going to be serving cool. our opening menu. There you go. For, for the, even though the menu over the course of 10 years changed on the food truck, right. um, we're going to go back to the original menu and serve the that. original menu on the food truck for this year. And so that's okay. kind of what we're going to do. So, yeah, that original menu was um, uh, fish tacos. Uh, it was a Cuban sandwich. It was uh, a tinga quesadilla, which is a tinga-style braised pork meat right. uh, and a quesadilla. Um, it was... Uh, Poutine. It was um, a halal chicken and a pulled pork sandwich. Okay. And a burger and a and a burger and that was that was the list of the food truck when we started and uh, um, yeah that was that was what we served and we also we also served elotes tried to serve elotes at that time. Um, I will tell it, you this. Yeah. It was an absolute disaster trying to serve. Why nope. is that? Because nobody in fucking America eats corn off a stick unless you're at a fair. All right. Sure. So, so it's like you come to Mexico, uh, everybody eats corn on a stick here. It doesn't oh, matter yeah. if the guy's in, in an Armani three piece suit walking back to the office, he's eating corn off of a stick. In America, no way can you do right. that. Maybe now, maybe now you can. Maybe. That, yeah. Because of the awareness around that. 10 years ago, no way. It was like, I couldn't give it away. I was like, do you know how fucking good this is? Do you even understand how good, you know, grilled or boiled corn slathered in mayo covered with cheese and hot sauce and uh, lime is until you do it, you know? And so I just, we couldn't even give it away. And uh, so that kind of morphed into what we now do as a corn salad, which we can't keep on the menu because it sells out so much. But, uh, yeah, so that was the only other thing that was on the menu was the elotes, which uh, you know is, is a story amongst itself. So, right, yeah, I had I you know I've had it for years, but then one day I was in uh, I was going down into TJ because I had a property down there for a while, and uh, I, I remember walking. I said to my I said to Victor, it was Ash Wednesday. And I was like, I got to go to church. I got to go in and get my ashes. So he starts taking us on this completely different route, um, you know, from from San Diego down in. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm in his like hometown at this church. It's dirt streets all over the place. And we're walking down and I kept passing all these places and just sound the elote. So now I'm in church and I'm the only white guy in a church of like a thousand Mexicans. I'm the tallest motherfucker (laughs) in there. You know, I'm walking down the aisle. The priest can see the pride in my face to the point like at one point, I swear he kind of looked up at me and like nodded like, what's up, brother? Like he could tell that I was just a proud (laughs) motherfucker. But in reality, what I was trying to do was to get up front as fast as possible so I could get my ashes so I could go have some fucking corn. Like that was all that was on my mind. I apologize, God, and and, and everything that goes in here. But that was what was on my mind. Like, I want to get out of here because I want to go get some goddamn corn. And my first experience was in a styrofoam, like my real experience, styrofoam cup, queso fresco, fresh lime juice squeezed into it, a little bit of that corn juice that goes in there. I mean, it was just it was mind blowing, the simplicity, the basicness of it. And it's so funny when people are like, yeah, 
I don't like corn when you put it on a menu or you do an elote or something like that. So it's it's kind of funny to to think about that. It is. It's one of those things that I I, I think you know. In, in in Mexico, corn is, I mean, that's revered, man. That's, sure. that's cult, it's cult stuff down here, man. It's their lifeblood. Right. You know, in the United States, we just take it for granted. It's all GMO yeah. bullshit. And, uh, you know, I, you know, down here, it's not that way. It's, it's legit stuff. And I mean, you, you're going to have corn with every meal down here in one way, shape or form. Right. Right. We've got, I, I don't know if you know, do, do you ever watch chef's table? I do. All right. So the woman from Christina from uh, Barbacoa in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. you know, they have their own. They she brought in a breed. She brought in a whole, you know, a whole breed of corn. And that's what they grow and they grind and they make their own tortillas in house from their corn, from the that's original really cool. heirloom variety, which is one of the reasons why her stuff is so highly revered across the board and why her story, you know, she's an illegal immigrant. She's in town, ta- you know, I mean, she's married now. Like it's pretty crazy. Some of the stuff, uh, but, but her respect for the basics for just, for, you know, for the, it's starting with corn. Mm-hmm. that's where it everything is. starts with her. So, you know, in us in America, you're exactly right. We go into the grocery store, we grab a four pack for four bucks. It's already, it's already shucked for us, mm-hmm. you know, and the average American doesn't know what to do with corn. I don't like corn. Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah. yeah. We, we, uh, we, we bring our corn in for our tortillas from Oaxaca, uh, through Macienda. And, uh, uh, we use them for our importing of our uh, corn comes directly out of Oaxaca uh, the dried field corn down there, and that's what we grind. Yeah. And uh, mix, we mix them all, grind, and then make fresh tortillas every morning at the gas station in Walla Walla with with that corn. Okay. So it's the, uh, yeah, that's the that's the it's you know what was it eight thousand years ago or something like that is when corn first uh, first appeared like in Meso Mesoamerica and you know that was where it's from is you know in that Oaxaca region is where it comes from. So right. it's. That's the the lifeblood of of Mexico right there. So now you you mentioned it, so I'm going to walk right into it. I mean, now you're in a gas station in Walla Walla, Washington. (laughs) I mean, which every time I say that, because I'm not going to lie to you, dude, I've told told the basics of your story to people all over the place. You know, I mean, in my travels, and I mean, since what was that, September, October? I mean, I feel yeah. 100,000 miles this year. You know, and I'm talking about, one, your grinder that you've got in the back that you're grinding your corn with, you know, that we did the tour of. You know, yep. we've seen the smokers yep. and the truck and, and everything that was involved in it when we came over for breakfast that morning, um, yep. which was just super cool. So so now, you know, you're you're – You've been trained by the best at this point. You've got it in your blood. I mean, at thirty something, you're you're whatever. Thir- I don't even know how, how old were you when you went into uh, Bernadette? Well, I started. Uh, let's see, I'm fifty five now. That was like oh three, so twenty, okay, so you, almost twenty twenty years yeah, ago. So you were, so you were thirty plus now. starting in yeah. the industry. So which you is leave- late, which is late. Back in those Huge. days, back in those days, man, I was like I was like an old man in the kitchen. Totally. But yeah. I think I think to this day, honestly, I think that you and I still are old men if we were to walk in at that age. You know, I mean, they're pulling culinary schools now. We're pulling they're pulling right out of high school. You know, they're promising the world of, of an exciting career. And, you know, look at all these guys on TV and look at what they're getting and look at what they're doing. And this could be you. 
you know, that's mm-hmm. a selling point for a lot of these people. They don't understand the basics of it. I mean, I remember washing dishes. I washed dishes for a fucking, I can't even remember how long. You know, just to get into kitchens and do stuff like that when I was younger. But how, what, what, where is it? Where was that that take? How long did you have the food truck before you got involved in the gas station? And the story so, of the gas station is what I want to hear as well. Okay, so food truck started. We started the process. We moved from Boise to Walla Walla in 08. Um, uh, 08, I just kind of did like some uh, catering and private dinners and private gigs over in Walla Walla wineries and stuff. And actually worked at a winery called Dustin Valley, uh, for, for a while. And, uh, just to, to be able to pay the bills and kind of take a respite from like the, you know, I'd just gone from New York city intensity to Boise and running my own place, working every single day for five straight years. Um, you know, to, I just kind of want to take a little break, still cough, but just kind of reset a little bit. And uh, so I'm over in Seattle with a uh, with a really good friend of friend of ours, and uh, we're sitting. Um, it is a, a dining room table, and he's like, he's like, so so when are you going to get back into cooking? And I was like, man, I I, I kind of am. He goes, no, like when are you really going to get back into cooking? And I was like, well, you know. I don't know. He goes, well, he goes, uh, have you thought about a food truck? And I was like, <laughs> no, not really. No, I haven't. And at this time in 2009, they weren't really even, it wasn't even a thing really, to be honest. I mean, there, there was a couple out there, you know, I think Koji started in 09, right. you know, somewhere around that time. Um, and I, you know, I, kind of looked into it i thought it was a good idea so we bought a food truck we did that for two years so now we're in uh 10 11 and uh we were parking as you remember the if you can remember the gas station we walked in the front doors there we parked on the side there we walked in the front out in the front where those pumps were there was like a flagpole out there and we would park the food truck underneath that flagpole during lunch and we'd have a line through the fucking parking lot it'd be you know, a big, deep line through the parking lot. And uh, I didn't have any affiliation with the gas station other than I was parked right there. Right. And uh, it was kind of convenient because they had an RV dump. So when I was done with the day, I could just drive the truck over and dump, you know, dump my gray water, get some fresh water, fill my propane, all that shit. It was, it's like, it was like super convenient for us. Totally. And, uh, now, and where are you doing prep? Where, where is it on the truck? In the truck. Yeah, I was doing it in the truck. Okay. Everything. You know, I have my Roboco in there, my Vitamix, I'm blanching fries, I'm braising right. shit. I'm doing the whole thing. You saw that truck. I mean, it has fryer, grill, flat, oven, stars. You know, it had everything you need to be able to do whatever you need to do in there. Right. And so um, we're out there one day, and uh, the good old boy general manager comes out. And so you got to remember the, the, the place where we're at was a farmer's co-op. So they sold like chemicals, ag chemicals, delivered diesel to the, tr- you know, to the farms. They sold tractors and feed and shit like that. You know, and plus they had this convenience store that was, you know, your convenience store, man. They had, you could go get a lottery ticket, a pack of smokes, a six pack of Keystone, some rubbers, whatever you want, man. It was <laughs> a long convenience store there. Bag of Doritos, 
you know, rolling papers, whatever. And, uh, um, he's like, Hey, uh, don't know if you're interested or not, but, uh, we've got a, a deli space inside here. Um, if you are interested, we'd love to have you take that space over. And so I, I hadn't even gone into that gas station, maybe to take a leak. Maybe that was it. I don't know. And so I was like, Oh, I'll come in and look. I came in and looked back there and there was, there was a hot dog roller, like one of those old school hot dog rollers. There was a hot case, like, you know, your old school gas station hot case. And there was a microwave. That was it. That was in that whole space. that was behind the counter there. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, that's, that's really cool. But man, I was trained on fire. I cook with fire. That's I use fire. That's my, that's what I do. He's like, well, he goes, let me just throw this out there. If you're interested in moving into this space, I've talked to our board and they uh, said that uh, we would put in a, a kitchen for you. You could design your own kitchen and we'd put it in there. Wow. I was like, really? That's kind of cool. So, you know, I have this information in my head, go home, talk to my wife. She's like, Dumbest fucking idea ever. Dumber than quitting. Dumber than quitting. This is a pretty yeah. fucking dumb idea then. It, but also a pretty great wife. She stuck with me through oh quitting. Uh, you know, so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you know, you know props to her. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, and are you guys so, still together? Oh yeah. We're That's closing in on bad. 30 years. Holy and, shit. Uh, yeah. I know. Um, Dude, that's brilliant. So, Congratulations you know, on told, that alone. Yeah, in this industry, hell yeah. Totally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so she tells me basically, fuck no. I was like, well, I need to talk to some other people. You know, I love you, babe, <laughs> but I've got to talk to some other people here. So I, I you know, talked to some uh, chef friends that I knew uh, through the food truck world, some Seattle chef guys that I knew, um, some really smart business guys, like uber successful business guys and all of them were like man you're you're like one of the pioneers of food truck world here man you're building your brand it's a known brand in the food truck you could you could really damage your brand by moving into a gas station this was like you know the consensus from everybody that i talked to like yeah just the food truck thing's hot right now man just stay with that and build that i was like man I don't know if I like all these no's. It's like, right. I, just, I, I hate hearing no. I don't know how you are. But I think sometimes us chefs, we don't like no. I'm right. not, I don't like nope. no. I don't like no. <laughs> totally. So, we like to do our own thing. We do. And, you know, uh, and we like to be in control of it. So Right. And so, you know, I, I like to say that I'm, from, I'm born St. Louis, born in St. Louis. I kind of have a little bit of riverboat gambler mentality in me. And, uh, Everybody said no. I walk into the guy's office and I was like, all right, I'll take the space. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I guess you can say the rest is history because it kind of, you know, it's been, we've been in the gas station now, uh, eight years. And, uh, um, it's kind of, I guess when I did it, I didn't know that I was starting a thing. You know, I didn't know that it was like something that really hadn't been done, you know, and, uh, I had a fresh uh, friend, uh, um, Josh Henderson, who uh, um, he started Skillet over in Seattle, Skillet Trailer and and uh, whatnot. And he's like, you know, 
he's one of the one of the guys I asked about this, and he told me no initially, and now he's like, dude, you know, it was a great idea. But he right. was like, you know, there's, you know, in restaurants and in chefdom and in really food, everything is recycled. You know, uh, uh, you know, people just take old things and make them new, take right. new things, tweak them, make them different. Um, and uh, there's nobody who's recreating the culinary. Going out, nobody's going out of the box. Nobody goes out right. of the box really anymore now. It's all everybody stays within the box, and they they tweak it, fix it, make it theirs sell it and have great success at that, you know? And, right. uh, he's like, you went completely out of the box and you went square peg round hole, man. It was like, you did something that, you know, wasn't a rehash of something that had been being done because at that time, at the research that I did, you know, nine years ago, looking into this, I couldn't find any instances of any gas stations working gas station convenience stores working not ones that you know took over a gas station and it used to be a gas station and now it's a restaurant right one that's still selling fuel one that you know has a car wash and rv dump and all this shit in there (laughs) i couldn't find any any instances at that time of scratch food being made in a gas station and so i kind of think that we were on the front edge of that and now it seems like it's almost it's almost like a thing now, you know, where it's like, you know, people are doing scratch food because we're like, we're, we're like 90% scratch in there right now. And so we went in there and it was a hard sell initially because people were wanting their fucking burritos out of the hot case. And, right. you know, they're wanting their chicken nuggets and, you know, all this garbage hot dog roller shit. And um, was there, was there a moment where you were like, oh, fuck, was there 50 moments where you were like, oh, there fuck. was more than 50. There was more than 50. There was some struggle, man. There was some struggle initially trying to get that, that concept caught on with, you know, the crowd. Now, now if this would have been in Philly, in New York, in Seattle, sure, it in makes Portland, a little bit more sense, a little bit more aggressive, more people. Right. I'm in, I'm in conservative rural Washington farm town trying to do something mm-hmm. like this in a gas station that sells fuel to farmers. Right. So, you know, there was, there was a, there was some moments there where I was like, man, did I just shit the bed? And, you know, but yeah, I worked through it, you know, and, uh, I think, I think we educated a lot of people, you know, in food. I, I, I we still do. I think we still educate people in food in there. And, uh, I think, you know, it's, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I had, I had like a moment two years ago that I was like really kind of, uh, I don't know, I wasn't like down on myself, but I was like, man, I wish I, I just really want to go and do a restaurant and be able to sell cool cocktails and have a great bar scene and, right. you know, sound system and, you know, hot bartenders and you know, hot waitresses and, and revenue, killer- revenue, 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 you know, all the booze revenue coming in, you know, sure. you know, I, I had, I had a moment, you know, and it was like, and finally I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. You know, I, I've, I've, I am who I am and, and I've created who I am. So right. that's, that's who we are. And I, and I, I now, you know, I, our crew is a hundred percent bought in on who we are. You know, we're, we're the dudes in the gas station and that's, and I, and all you got to do, you know, in the Northwest is 
say the gas station, people know people know what that they know what that is. And it's right. like, well, you know, we I guess we did our job. We educated people. You know, we're making great food, and you know, we're in a gas station, and that's our whole deal. It's like you know, we have Chinese New Year's coming up, and we're doing fucking Peking duck out of the gas station. <laughs> so it's like you know, it's that type of thing where we just sure. You know, there's no, we have no rules. We're not, we're not bound by any rules in there, which is. They, they, they all, they also trust you though. They do. Th- that's and, and, the thing. It took, you know, it took a long time to gain that trust. You know, it was, it wasn't an overnight thing, but, uh, and I think the other restaurateurs and chefs in, in town that, you know, when we first moved to town and we're doing the food truck, the food scene in Walla Walla was not, it was not good. It, it was, it was pretty, right. um, not not good and and so we kind of brought in this kind of cool gourmet hip food out of a food truck thing educating people that way you know then you know the food scene starts as the wine scene grows there the food scene comes and i mean our food scene there is fucking off the rails right now and uh i mean from high-end restaurants to bars to wineries to breweries and you know everything food there's 30 fucking food trucks in walla walla now 30 wow I was number one for two years by myself. Yeah. And now there's 30. And uh, so I think there's a lot of chefs and restaurateurs in Walla Walla that I think they'd tell you that, you know, they kind of thank me for helping educate the locals, not the tourists, because the tourists, I think, coming from where they're coming from the West Coast, you know, Seattle, Portland, Frisco, L.A., or come from the East Coast or, you know, big cities in the middle, you know. They they understand food. It was it was the it was the the local farmers and the and the people that were born and raised from there that maybe didn't have a huge understanding of food, but now understand food better. And it's because these dudes in a gas station educated them. And uh, you know we now we can sell. I mean you wouldn't believe like our our customer base is very diverse, but our loyal customer base of the locals when it's not tourist season. I mean, they'll they'll come in for Fat Tuesday when we do our Fat Tuesday special. They'll come in for Cinco de Mayo. I mean, they're what? I mean, we're selling Peking ducks by the each to and, all these guys. You and, know, and like I, kid. One of the things that I, I, you know, I mean, the visualization. You know, when you hear about you're selling you're selling food in a gas station, and, and I think what most people think of is you know one of these big truck stops where you walk in. There's like you know there's a subway over there, and then there's a McDonald's with its own seating area and all that. You, you walk and you have a small six table. Am I right? There's six tables there. Yeah, I think we can seat like 32 people out there. So you know, if, and you're that, sharing that. this space amongst the convenience store of the gas station. You know, there's a wall of refrigerators. There's, you know, where, where I was sitting directly behind me was the potato chip case. You know I mean? There's all the Doritos right behind me. Like, like I'm having the fucking poutine, a breakfast poutine at seven o'clock in the morning with a Demi that's on top of it, a badass gravy, fucking curds, hand cut fries seasoned perfectly. And behind me, I can reach back and grab a bag of, of potato chips if I want to. You know, or I can get my condoms or I can get my, you know, I can get my trucker hat if I need to. Like, it's yeah. a riot because, I, again, when I tell people about it, they're, they're envisioning like one of these, you know, super gas stations that are out there on the road now, like a pilot or something like that. And it's not that. It's a little gas station with a bunch of pumps and a parking lot 
and it's on a corner and it's a pretty busy corner and your place is packed and it's awesome. It is. I, I still remember your guys' face when we all walked in. Cause I totally, I, I, I remember I was a little embarrassed because here I, I've got all these, you know, these, you know, guys that, you know, are, you know, in my world, you know, have made it successful, you know, chefs, restaurateur, you know, influencer guys coming in. And I mean, when they talked to me about bringing you guys to the gas station, I was just like, man, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of like a little intimidating on my part, you know? And I was like, well, fuck it. You know, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to spit polish this turd in here and we're going to make it shine. So, uh, I remember opening the doors for you guys. And when you guys, you and Ford and Rev and Rocco and all these guys walked in, your guys' face, I mean, your jaws hit the floor. That was what, for me, that was like, well, I guess we did something right. I guess we, you know, we might've done something cool because when I see the looks of other chefs that, you know, have had successful or have successful operations come in and see that and they're just like, holy shit, man. And I, I, that kind of made, it kind of made me feel good when I saw your, your reaction, I saw Ford's reaction and, and, uh, it was just like, it was crazy, you know, crazy. And I think, I think a lot of us and, and especially as chefs, look, we, you're, you're exactly right. We will take something that somebody else has done and put our own spin on it. We'll do our own thing, you know, with the way that we do stuff. I mean, it's like my Thanksgiving this year, you know, I spatchcocked a Turkey stuffed it, deboned the entire fucking thing and roasted it, smoked it, roasted it and sold it for $119. Like I took the classic idea of a Thanksgiving meal and I turned it into something super fucking cool that I've wanted to do for years. And it's that that's that chef mentality of I want to do something really neat. I want to do something. And for us, we had met you the night before. So we had already had an idea of who you were, um, you know, what we were doing. You know, we're at that amazing event out in, uh, you know, out in at uh, Eritage, that unbelievable resort in the middle of a vineyard and cornfields, mm-hmm. you know. And, and we met you and we, you know, I mean, and Emily kind of kind of gave us a little bit of information about you, but we didn't know what to expect. And we all honestly, I remember Rev, I remember Ford and, and I were all talking and Rocco, like we're fucking stoked. We were excited to get there. Like that was a part of the day. And again, I honestly, I think we were there at 7 a.m. We were, we were, you know. So it was yeah. like we walk in and you had just literally unleashed, you know, at that point, what is a long rollout carpet for us to all walk in. We walk into the place. We're in awe of the space, the smells that are be, you know, being projected that are coming out of the location itself. You've got a smoker rolling in the back. You're giving us a tour of how you guys are separating space at the same time with a gas station. Right. You know, I mean, and, you know, you, you walk in the back and you're like, this is where I do my this is where I do my corn for my tortillas. Meanwhile, I'm looking behind you and there's, you know, four cases of extra gum, <laughs> you know, so it's like yeah. the whole, we, we literally absorbed the whole thing. We walk out back and I have a picture of your smoker on my Instagram that, you know, what with your uh, you got you had your pork butts in there and I yep. believe there were some chickens in there as well. But it was like it was just a perfect shot. The smoke was coming up the top. You know, you guys had just opened up that door. You know, you're bringing us through the food truck and you showed us honestly uh, how we're innovation. Look at what I did with a space that was that had a hot dog roller. And I believe you still have a hot dog roller there. 
we have a hot case. We we, we do ditch the hot, the hot dog roll, but that hot case, everything that goes into that hot case, we make. Right. So like the burrito, the burritos that are in there, the bagel dogs, all that shit. You know, that's all mm-hmm. that's all us. So well, yeah, I dude, think they were awesome. even making. I think they were even making tortillas in there when when you guys showed they up. They was, were pressing them when yeah. we were walking in the front door, and I'm like, oh, look at this fucking guy showing <laughs> up making tortillas for the chefs. I got it. Uh, it was perfect, dude. I mean, it was it was it was it was one of those things where you rarely get to see it, but it exceeded the the expectation of what I think that we had. We were all stoked. Because again, I remember like, you know, Ford and I and Rev and I walked up to the bus together, you know, Rocco and I had a conversation outside of the bus and I was like, I want some fucking food from this place. I can't wait to get in there and see this place. And, you know, you did it, man. I mean, it's a great spot. You know, I don't have to tell you, you know, you know, so it's cool. It's, it's fun. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it's fun. We have a great time with it, you know, my crew and managers are all 100% bought in on it now. I mean, you know, we use the hashtag in a gas station, not bad for a <laughs> gas station. And they, and they, you know, they, they're on board with that, which is, right. which is awesome. That's cool. You know, and, and that's, so, uh, so, and you're still running a food truck at the same time. We are. Yeah, we are. We have a, we just, we just bought a new food truck. We have a, we bought our second one this winter. Uh, so, We'll have two food trucks. We're gonna put one up in Minam at the in the river area in Minam, um, where we started whitewater trips from. And then uh, Which is another uh, another thing that I really <laughs> wanted to get into, which is in the midst of all of this, you know, yeah. you were getting ready to leave in like what, five days or something for another trek that you do. So tell me about that as well. All right. So uh, we also do uh why well, I, I do um uh, i'm a i'm a licensed whitewater guide so means i row a boat with people in it <laughs> but, uh, and i can save your ass if you fall overboard one of those things um what we do uh catered whitewater rafting trips and uh all the food is is done by me or by our our team and um uh we take you on you know, these super remote, beautiful Northwest rivers, uh, Hell's Canyon, the Salmon River, um, the Grand Ron River. Um, and uh, you get this off, awesome, awesome experience of, uh, you know, being in the middle of nowhere uh, and having great food. And then the cool thing is, is you know, I've made a lot of friends with wineries in in the valley there. And so we pair it up with a, we pair up with the winery. So you know you're going to get a kick-ass breakfast, um, killer lunch, but dinner is when, you know, we pull out all the stops and, uh, you know, we'll do two two plattered past apps, finger food type things, and then a three-course meal all paired up with wines at the winemaker, which usually the winemaker comes on the trip, <laughs> you know, talks about his wine. Wines are paired up. We're pouring wine, you know, out there and then plated food. Not quite tweezer food, but it's all been cooked in either like a Dutch oven, open fire, uh, camp stove. Um, but it's all, you know, it's all pretty over the top camp food. Uh, it's not even camp food. It's it's restaurant quality food, but just done sitting on the banks of a beautiful river, 
you know, with a great sunset and the campfire going and all that shit. So it's like, awesome. it's like your perfect Instagram photo type opportunity is what we're doing right. out there. Did I want to, I want to come, I want to come and cook with you one of these times on one of these trips. I, you know what? I, you are a hundred, I got 13 trips next year. Oh, dude. Awesome. You are, you are 100% invited to come and right. be one of the, uh, one of my chefs. I can bring a guest on every, on, I would every love to do that. So yeah, count me in. We'll, we'll, we'll figure dates out and all that stuff. I would absolutely love to do that. No doubt. Oh yeah. hundred, hundred percent. You're in. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I think that's one of the fun things. I mean, that's one of the reasons why, look, I, I'll be honest with you. The, the lamb Weston stuff that they do and what they put on is awesome. But for me, I get so much takeaway because I've built these relationships with people. You know, I had Rocco on last week. He's an unbelievable individual. You know, he's, he's a visionary and what he wants to do. I mean, Ford alone, you know, I mean, the guy's brilliant with what he does, how he handles oh. hospitality and his staff and the food that he puts out, the impeccable product that he puts out, you know, and rev with his knowledge. And, you know, it's really kind of cool to see what everybody does once we leave each other. And then the way that we kind of intertwine amongst each other again, it's a neat, it's a neat thing. And, and I think it's a cool chef thing. Oh, I think it's a so. totally cool chef thing. And I, and I love the fact that, you know, we, we, we've met and we, yeah. you know, Ford and Rev and you and Rocco and and even uh, uh, Marcelo down in Mexico City who I oh, hooked I up him. with. Yeah, I hooked up with him for two days in Mexico City this last week, and we just had a great time. But we've all oh, now become shit, no way. Yeah, way way. Yeah, it was, so we had a great time, and we've all now become you know friends. We yeah. talk, we chat, and it's just I just think that's part of the whole chef world that you know yeah. is kind of the cool the cool thing that comes from I it. Agree. Well, Dre, I appreciate your time, dude. I really do. Um, you know, hanging out with us and, and giving your story. And like I said, the, the, when I first met you and, and you were sitting behind me on the bus and I was listening to you talk and I just turned around, I had to get involved. I had to hear more about it. And then, you know, to see the product that you're putting out and I followed you and I followed the tours that you guys are doing over the last couple of months. And it's just super cool. So, um, you know, thanks for sharing your story, man. I really do appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun, and uh, uh, hopefully I was uh, uh, able to fill you in or fill in all the uh, holes that might have uh, been missing. <laughs> and uh, um, But this was a blast. I had a great time doing it, and uh, I can't wait to get you out on the river, man. Yeah, man, and, you're do- and the funny part is you're doing this from, uh, from Mexico right now while you're on vacation. So Yeah, I am. I it's am. even better. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for hopping on. Do us a favor one more time. Tell us who you are and how we can get in touch or follow you. All right. My name's Andre Bope. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at either at Andre's Kitchen, and that's spelled A-N-D-R-A-E-S, the word kitchen. Or you can follow my personal page, which is The Base Camp Chef, and then an underscore. Uh, Facebook is also Andre's Kitchen, and Twitter is also Andre's Kitchen. So there you have it. Awesome, dude. Thanks so much. And uh, I'll, I'll hit you up in the next couple of weeks. I want to try to get those dates so I can definitely try to plan something for the summer. Uh, yeah. Shoot me, a, shoot me an email or text and I'll give you those dates and we'll be good to go. All right, brother. Thanks, Dre. I appreciate your time, man. Cheers. Okay. Thank you. I, like I say at the end of every person that I interview, you wonder why I love what I do. Um, it is that simple right there. Uh, this is a guy who... Uh, aggressive in in his uh, in his desire to make himself happy and content, and he goes after what he wants. You know, hey, honey, uh, I'm done. 
I don't want to do landscaping anymore. I want to do something else. You should go into cooking. Okay, cool. That's exactly what I'm going to do. You know, and to find that, move in, walk into a stage with Eric Repair at Le Bernardin. Who does that? Who who has the balls to go do that? I don't. I don't know many of those guys, but I know one of them who's in that mix, and his name is Andre Bope. So I want you guys to uh, go and check out his stuff. Follow him on Instagram. Check out the food that he puts out. Read up on him because it's a pretty amazing thing. So, uh, Dre, thanks so much again for hopping on. I really appreciate it. Um, Check him out at Andre's Kitchen. That's A-N-D-R-A-E-S kitchen um out there in walla walla washington and check out the tours that he does as well um that are that are up there with some of the best that i've ever heard about and seen because of what it is that they put together um also do me a favor check out chefs for disaster relief uh that is all one word it is chefs for disaster relief with our friend michelle ragusis uh, she is uh, a visionary at this point with what she's doing. I love that she's put this together. Um, it makes me really happy that as a group of people, we can do a bunch of things. One, create these friendships like I, you know, that I've got with Andre and with some of these other guys and girls that we've had on the show and help each other out at the same time. Um, it's a really important thing that she's doing, and I love it. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, get over there. Follow both of these guys. Um, share the Chefs for Relief, uh, for Disaster Relief with your friends, with your culinary friends, hospitality friends across the board. Let everybody know what's going on so we can get a little bit more awareness. Because as chefs, we like to give back. We like to share our talents and do with it as we can. And this is a great opportunity for something major to happen. Uh, so, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us this week. You know what I'm to talk about right now, which is the boys down there, radioinfluence.com, Jerry and Jason. You got a 100% chance of a no if you don't ask. Got a 50-50 shot if you do. Tell the boys what your idea is for a podcast, and they can tell you, hey, I love the idea, or go fuck yourself. Who knows? I've never heard either one of them say that, but that's me. Uh, Get out there and uh, check out Techno Solutions, guys, right now. Go to Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and look at Techno Solution. They do all of my graphic stuff, my websites, my promo pieces for restaurants, my menu design across the board. I literally tell Michelle what type of a property I'm looking for. She has a great mind. Her and I talk. We have these great creative sessions so we can build things up and blow them up and make them bigger and better. She's always updating my website to make sure that it's the best one that's out there uh, for me, and I love her for that. That's Techno Solution. Solution. Mags Art, M-A-G-Z-A-R-T. That's the famous Maggie Gagliardi, the wonderfully talented illustrator who does all our promo pieces for this show. So, boys and girls, I want you to do me a favor. We got a lot of crazy shit going on in the world right now. There's a lot of negativity, a lot of anger. There's a lot of shit burning, man, across the board, across the world. So, take a break for a couple seconds. Hold that door for somebody. Let somebody cut in front of you. Just be nice to people, man. See you later. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. 
If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 